0: This is Michael Ko from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet
1: only on the No Phoney Podcast Network.
0: Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review shows and movies. How are you doing today, Bill?
1: I'm doing great, Tom. And you? It seems like somebody may have had a busy weekend. Is that true, Tom?
0: It is true. It's hard to watch something two and a half times, especially when it's four hours long and it all (laughs) happens in one weekend.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, Those who have listened to our podcast knows that in a previous podcast, there is a specific HBO Max drop that came in, and Tom has been frothing at the mouth to want to see. Is frothing a good word, Tom? I mean, I know people Mm -hmm. could use that for like frothing a latte, but was Justice League— frothing at the mouth here
0: yeah i was frothed lathered in all other (laughs) description (laughs) of word definitely
1: so so here we go right? right justice league hbo max uh it is four hours and two minutes long right not for the faint of heart there Mm-mm. and um what what was the original do you remember that what was the original am i am i serving you a question Mm-mm. that's going to catch you off guard was it, it was like around... two hours
0: yeah it was hours sure. because that was the mandate that it you know, keeps on getting bantered around like we need to get the movie down to two hours
1: yeah i'm looking at it right now it's it's two two hours on the dot so this is what i would say footage left on the cutting floor Now, oh my gosh, Tom, an extra two hours on the Cuttingwood room floor, that's something else, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like what you get in this four-hour film is stuff that was on the floor. It feels like stuff that needed to be in a movie to make it compelling and make sense. So I'll Uh, I'll answer that question that way.
1: I like that. That's a very good response, you know, because it it says, hey— you know, there was a lot of footage that was shot, and I'm sure it was probably even more than uh, four hours. They're probably using like uh, back in the day. I, I can't remember when I was in film school. They had a, a film that was shot, and they had like six hours. Mm. <laughs> four hours was cut, Tom. So I don't think this was the case. They actually mm. strung together a a more elaborate story. It seems
0: would you Mm -hmm. say yeah what they do is they fill in the gaps and they tell an actual story in this one they establish the antagonist they bolster up the protagonist in ways that make sense and there's a beginning and middle of an end you know the hero's journey it all happens in this and it's not just like the the previous film, and there is a tendency to do this when you have two films supposedly about the same thing, that we the, the natural place that our brain wants to go is just to spend our time comparing the two. So I'll kind of get it out of the way so that the rest of my comments will just simply be about the, the merit of this movie as a standalone. So the visuals are better. And what I would say is the colors in the cinematography just feels like the shots that they use, although they go to similar places throughout the entire film, it, the visuals are better than the original than the, the movie that was put out in 2017. Uh, they, they removed all the clumsy dialogue. So those of us who watch the 2017 version, there is just cringeworthy dialogue throughout that entire film. It's all gone. And it's replaced by dialogue that makes sense for the characters and makes sense for human beings watching other human beings on a screen. <laughs> they also, um, flushed out the story. They gave, uh, some motivations to the bad guy and that makes sense. He has a motivation now and he has a, he's trying to do something and what he's trying to do is connected to something that makes sense for most human beings. Flash has a big, moments in this and flash you in each character is treated with reverence so that it feels a little bit in this the irony will probably be a little bit awkward actually the original avengers which i really loved about it is that each character had a chance to shine but you also saw the power of each character and you see that in this film which you didn't see in the 2017 version so those are my comparisons and then I'll try to focus the rest of my conversation just more on, on this movie as a movie.
1: So what I want to kind of bring to the surface here, because this is, you know, kind of the, the reason why the Zack Snyder cut exists, right? So this is the Zack Snyder director's cut. Now, what was it that happened in 2017 and 2021 from a production point of view that this kind of tripped up didn't end up in two different movies what was was there problems with directors um give us a little timeline because i think that sets us up to understanding really mm-hmm. why we came here
0: yeah there's a little bit of an involved answer to, to do this, the to answer your question the correct way. And it starts with a tragedy. Um, Zack Snyder's child committed suicide in the middle yeah. of his production of the Justice League movie. And so he had to he stepped down for understandable reasons. And that is actually the reason. And I think right. what a lot of real cruel people have done on Twitter or just thoughtless and, and ignorant Sounds like a harsh word, but it's just doing something, ignoring facts or not knowing facts and presenting your opinion without knowing facts. So it's actually is ignorant. (laughs) A lot of ignorant people um, said a lot of really cruddy things about his decision to step down. And but that was the reason he stepped down. And so that's that's kind of sets the backdrop. And so then they bring in Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon comes in and just slaps together a movie. And that's not stated out of ignorance that's right. having seen both movies having having listened to a lots of the fans and been involved in this comic book community that movie did not do service to the to these characters not in the way that mm-hmm. that this that um zach snyder's did so i guess fast forward a little bit there was always this rumor that the Zack snyder cut was out there mm-hmm. and it started soon after the original release And it was a long, at points it was a loud gong, but it was a gong that never silenced. It was always on Twitter. It was in all the podcasts about these movies for those of us who are fans of DC movies. And so then we didn't think, we being fans, didn't think that this would ever come to fruition. We always thought that, you know, this was not going to happen. See, you have to understand, well, you don't have to. I think most people get this, but I'll say it anyways. Warner Brothers is putting their movies together in a much different way than Marvel. Marvel has a group of 15 experts and a clear vision and leadership at the top, and they plan and organize all their movies 10, 15 years out. Warner Brothers have for a long time has just been riding the coattails of interested directors. Um, Someone puts together a script or a director comes along and they want to make something happen. And so it's not it's not quite the same. So with Zack Snyder, we wanted to see a movie that actually fit tonally and from a message standpoint, the movies that we got with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. And so the clamoring got so strong that they ultimately decided to release it. Now, I think the decision to release it on HBO Max is to bolster their streaming service, right? They want to get as many subscribers as they can. That's pretty much the bottom line. Why didn't it go to a film? It's four hours long, folks. Uh, right. I'm not sure that in the heels of a pandemic, how many people are going to be like traveling out to theaters to see this. So why not just have it all on HBO Max so that they can get more subscribers? How's that for an answer, Bill?
1: No, it's a good answer. I mean, my question is, is the the in, in you know, you know me is I, I, I love the theater. And the reason why a lot of movies are being shot is for the theater. Did you feel that um, there was some minimalist um, ways of viewing this because it was seen uh, at home and not in the theater, even though, yes, it was, you know, we're able to take the breaks in the convenience of our home of watching a four hours? Some people, you know, can break in some of the episodes, some just binge. But um, was there a, a degrading of the production quality because of that? What was your,
0: your mm-hmm. feeling? My feeling of this is that visually it was noticeably stronger than the 2017 as a comparison. Mm-hmm. The thing I said I wasn't going to do, I just immediately did again.
1: <laughs> um, so, Am I baiting you? Is that why? Am I baiting
0: you? Am I, uh, no, I don't, I'm, it's not it's intentional. Fair. It's fair. It's mm-hmm. So Steppenwolf... He's the main bad guy who came across as a goof in the first one, those people who saw it. He gets a much needed update in his visual aesthetic. He's wearing a total metal armor with horns covered in and in, in armor as well. And his voice has changed and all of his dialogue almost to a T has changed. Much needed, all of it. Excellent. So That's just an example. So when he's running around doing stuff, you get the feeling that this is a he tosses around the Justice League pretty good. Right. Until the Superman comes. And those of you that get upset with that, that's kind of just a back to reality um, thing. (laughs) All right. There's a there's a line in the middle of this where Steppenwolf is talking to one of the understudies of Darkseid. And Darkseid is the big bad in the DC universe, and he's living on the planet of Apocalypse. They go through these these tubes, right? And those tubes actually are a DC thing. It's not just something they do in the movies when someone just pops down through this tube. That's actually you know, set in the comic book world. So are the mother boxes. Those have been around for a while. They're all Kirby jack kirby productions so all the new gods those characters and the new gods that's jack kirby so darkseed steppenwolf those characters um so that's kind of the comic book origin of those things but the visual update is noticeable it's much clearer it's the coloring is better Um, right wonder woman i know they wanted to make her brighter and shinier but when you um, go back to Je- to Zack Snyder's version of it, it just looks better. It looks like the way she's supposed to look.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a, a problem going back to our original review of Justice League. The biggest hang-up I think you had with that aforementioned character was it looked a lot CGI, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, a lot more cgi uh, composed right mm-hmm, right where it, it, it seemed like he he was overly animated I would say almost mm-hmm. cartoonish mm-hmm. Um, but uh, was there any way of kind of toning him down blending them was that that was any attention given mm-hmm. to Be- Beowulf in that manner mm.
0: you know what they did is they do the smart thing you just do it different because the visual aesthetic is different. Right. And so one thing that I have noticed, this is an observation that I've made, is that CGI does a really good job of uh, producing things that look metallic. They look almost absolutely real. What CGI struggles with, and even Thanos had these struggles in Infinity War and in, in Endgame, Endgame got better because it's they're making advances all the time, it's hard to reproduce something that is flesh, but supposed to be alien, so not look quite like flesh, but still right. look real. Right. So how do you answer that for Steppenwolf? Almost 100% of his body is covered in armor. <laughs> All you have <laughs> is his, his, his mouth and his cheeks. And actually, I think that's smart, right? If you Yeah, no kidding. If, if you can't do the flesh good enough, then don't do it. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Or or it just looks bad, and even though you put a lot of investment into it, um, you know to pull the plug when you have to.
0: Yeah, and spoiler warning, so spoiler, spoiler, spoiler on our film. One of my highlights is when Superman is tossing Steppenwolf around, and it's it feels more brutal in this version. Zack Snyder's <laughs> thing is, everything is more brutal. I mean, when... <laughs> when Wonder Woman jumps into that bank in the beginning, she is tossing people around, just kicking them in the walls, slamming them in the concrete. I mean, they just... <laughs> and, of course, I love that stuff. You know, that Breaking Bad is nice right. So I love that. So in the end, when Superman is pounding away, he just blasts that armor off his head and uses his little laser beam and cuts off one of the horns. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> You know that's what happens when you're fighting. When you come to Earth with the intention of dominating, and destroying the planet, and you get in a fight with someone who's stronger than you, you get your horn soldered off.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, right? it, it's it's payback in the in the more in the most direct way actually. Um. So okay, so we have two more hours, mm-hmm. right? Right, and. Um, there's a lot more that most audiences have not seen. Like mm-hmm. myself, I have not, I, I, I have like a little bit of knowing exactly there's other characters that we did not see in, uh, the other movie. Now, my question is within the storyline, does it make sense or was it just added for added sake?
0: It was more than added for added. It was, it would, it makes sense but it actually, it, it, when you watch it, you're like, oh, wow, this is an actual film, right? right. You, for, I'll give you something, just some examples, right? They give you an origin that makes sense for the mother boxes, for Darkseid coming to the planet, why they're coming to this planet, and then another big drop for all those DC, DC fans there's another real important element added to this story that's a part of this that's not in the original or mentioned at all. And when right. you hear that and you're a fan of this, you're, you're like, oh, oh they're going to mention that? Because what it does is it sets up a story that continues. Right. So another thing, so there's that. They're, they give you a lot more information about the bad guys in this. So Steppenwolf is here trying to prove himself he's right. trying to make up for a huge mistake that he made and he's trying to win over and be brought back into dark side's crew and that is not in any way shape or form touched on in the in the first one and there's layers to that that all make sense
1: and so there's a gives the character more meaning i would yeah. say into what he does rather than showing up and yeah, just being a bad yeah. guy
0: he doesn't just show up and ooh, I'm a bad ah, Uh ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. No, he's here with a purpose and he's wow. trying to figure that out. Another thing is there's a Superman arc in all of this where they set up a powerful Superman film next, if they gave Zach or anybody the permission to continue the story. <laughs> they definitely set up uh there's a there's a hanging chad. And there's also then there's I think on top of that, and then I'll They connect a story. So Batman has an actual story arc in this. Whereas in the first one, they did almost everything anti-Batman-like. Like Like Batman is known for what? He always has a plan. He's prepared. He's actually more the leader of the Justice League because of his intellect and his skills and planning. So that comes out solid and strong in all of this. And so there's just so many elements to where this is an actual fully fleshed out story.
1: Great. Great. You know, and I know usually uh, audiences can feel like, Oh, this is four hours to take. And if you're not like a fan, like a super fan, I'd call Tom the super fan here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is there a way that you could still watch this and not have to dedicate four hours in a single sitting time
0: the best i'll steal some advice that i heard on another podcast and it's um the suicide squad cast is what they call themselves it's a, <laughs> it's, a DS, it's obviously a dc podcast they i would recommend watching the first it's broken up into six parts and okay. they are clearly defined it'll the screen goes black and it'll tell you the title for the next chapter I would watch chapters one through four because it's a little over two hours and 20 minutes long. Take a bathroom break or come back the next day and watch to the end. And it's kind of a natural way to watch this. Plus, you know that you've watched over half of the movie. So then the second half of it, you're like, okay, the final push. And plus what happens in the end, it feels like it builds from act um, five and six kind of build on themselves. And then there is an epilogue. So the epilogue is almost like a seventh chapter, and that's what gets you to four hours because each one of these chapters is about 35 to 45 minutes long, and then the epilogue is probably 25 minutes.
1: Yeah, I I like that. Personally, I like the way that you could set up the breaks, and um, it makes sense when they, they make the cuts that way. Where I don't feel like I have to rewind the film in order to, you know, make sure I I got everything down. So we went over the special effects, the storyline, the production values. Is there anything else do you feel like you have to you want to comment on that we haven't touched so far?
0: Yeah, let's see. (laughs) So I think what people are going to always naturally ask when you make a movie that's about a movie that was already made, you know, 3 4 years ago right. is like why, right? I mean, like for super fans we're like, "Oh, it's more fleshed out and there's more of it." And if you like it and you get more of it, then why not? Of course you like it, right? Right. So there might be an element out there who watches this and says, "Well, yeah, the dialogue's a lot better. Yeah, the visuals are a lot better. Yeah, they fleshed out some stories." some of the story I could understand if some people watch this and this is the naysayer in me saying, Uh well, you know what? It, they hit a lot of the, a lot of the elements, albeit clumsily and albeit without much of a backstory, but they still hit it and it's so long and that's true. I mean, I, I could get it. I, when I say true, I mean, I could understand if somebody felt that way right in uh, it is much a much better story it's much different but at the same time a lot of the places they're going they go to in this it's not a completely new film right so they go to them they go they resurrect him from superman from the dead all this happened in 2017 so this is not a spoiler right. for this film there's a big fight at the end all that stuff still happens um there's certain elements that you can see Josh Whedon added in outside of the horrible dialogue that are out of this. So the whole Batman not getting along with Wonder Woman thing is not in this at all, and that is good because that did <laughs> not make any sense at the time. Right, right. And so that's good. Um, there's a, I feel like there's a little bit more going on at the farm with Superman once he's resurrected. I will tell you the battle... That happens when they resurrect Superman from the dead. That happens again, but it totally feels different. It feels humorous in the first one. In this, it doesn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, no, what have we done? And we have to contain this.
0: That is that it has more of that to it, which
1: they're more scared than anything.
0: Yeah, because you're like so like he is so strong. And they kind of needed to do that, though, because I think the misconception in BVS is, oh, wow, look at, you know, Wonder Woman held her own and got some slices in and Superman got killed. Right. And (laughs) the thing is that, yeah, or Batman, Yeah. But yeah. So then but what you don't realize is that at chunks of it, Superman's doing the. he's the only character that can do some of the things that he's even trying to do against Darkseid, because he's the only right. one strong enough to do it. He flies right into him with a spear. No one else can do that. He's going toe-to-toe with him at times, you know, laser eyes to laser eyes. And Doomsday is, I think I said Darkseid earlier, I meant Doomsday. Yes. Doomsday is a, a powerful character, extremely right. powerful. So you need to reestablish how strong he is in this. And right. he is strong, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah.
1: That's good. And uh, that gives it some depth. I mean, Superman... It, it's always good to understand the villains and who the heroes are and you know what's really cool too is that you know the and the Rotten Tomato score it's a 73 percent for the critics but the audience is at 96 percent. So it seems like they have definitely um, touched into the fan base and what's really cool about it is is there's like 25,000 ratings on the fans from this. So it seems like a lot of fans felt like they wanted to give this an exclamation point of telling DC you're on the right track with this type of production. And we want to see more and we've been missing, uh, out on our DC, um, uh, do, uh, verse, I guess this yeah. is the way to say it, right? The, you know,
0: verse. I, I forgot to... I have, I'll jump right in, right on, piggyback on your message. Aquaman gets some much-needed complete revamping in a lot of ways, and so does Cyborg. Cyborg gets about 15 minutes of a actual story about his character in this, which you don't have any of that in the original. Right. And Aquaman is using his... I forget what they call that thing that he carries <laughs> trident Trident.
1: thank you bill
0: um that trident's got some power in it in its own right and you kind of see that you see these characters handled with reverence this time around versus okay. before it's like they they kind of slapstick the whole thing together and then yeah. at the end flash does a thing that he does a lot but they do it again in this and when it's done in a live action movie you're like oh that is so special to see (laughs) and like those of us who love the flash who that's your favorite character you know what i mean he's yeah he's got that his power and when he taps into it he's got power that no other character can replicate and when he does it and he does it in this it's amazing and so you'll see that so cyber gets a, a gets a story arc and Aquaman gets revamped, so you get his kind of Aquaman's world, not just him, but his, the other, a couple of other characters have bigger roles in this, and so then you get an idea of, what it kind of does, it, it kind of rewrites all the bad DC movies that were out there. It's kind of like, okay, scratch it. You can, don't even need to watch those anymore. This sets the the tone and the bar for this is where these characters are at.
1: So it seems like there is a lot of homage that is being set up sorry with those sound effects in the background um I'll, I'll, you know there's an a sense of homage to these characters and um kind of going back to the the feel that you have when you're reading the comics mm-hmm. and where things are used to be glossed over now you're getting a lot more there's a it's like you're you're sitting at the table and you're you're getting a little filet mignon, but somebody only gives you a couple of bites. This is like you get the whole filet mignon.
0: Yeah, you do, and you also get a, uh, a to go menu because the the idea here is hey, you're going to be ordering again. Right. And they set up a Lex Luthor um, story arc. They set up uh, an overall Justice League parts two and three story arc with Superman um you flush out other characters to the extent that people are probably now really interested in movies that have more of them like cyborg in them because right. of how much you flush out there I mean so and you even set up some elements of flashpoint if you just chose if they choose to go that route um they do something they they do some stuff that sets that sets that up as well so it, it feels like it's it's an attempt at, Kind of writing the universe a little bit, although I know that's not what totally what this was because I think that Snyder did most of this when he right. filmed this before, and I think they spent an additional seventy million dollars getting this ready for HBO Max. So it's not like they just dusted off the reels and threw it on a, you know, cut it up a little bit and threw it on HBO mm-hmm. Max. <laughs> they 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 did some stuff, and um, I'm wondering if. That went into the effects too, though.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it did. I mean, in order to change the effects the way that you're describing, that takes a lot of money. Um, so great. Well, thanks, Tom. That was Tom's corner here, and we we, welcome. We've kind of done a little uh, difference here in our last few reviews of um. Us focusing on our own particular movies and shows that we were watching. But um, well, thanks so much for sharing your review, mm-hmm. Tom.
0: You're welcome, uh, and Bill, I think. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, um, now it's like the rating. Did you see mm-hmm. Tom's rating is different than Bill's rating? Bill has to put a number, Tom has to have what we call the payoff. Was there mm-hmm. the Tom payoff?
0: Absolutely. And there, there was go. payoff all over the place here, so there is a payoff here, definitely definitely two thumbs up. And for me the biggest payoff is is the Flash stuff that happens at the end. So right. it's um that's my favorite character and I love to see the Flash in action. So that was uh there's a lot of payoff in here though. The the story is definitely a a payoff. And um so there you have it, Bill. That's my rating. This is two thumbs well. up.
1: <clears throat> I'll tell you, great. It's uh, I'm primed to go see it now. Now I'm a little more excited than I was before.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Bill, I think that's going to do it for this episode.
1: Excellent. Can't, can't wait to go see it, Tom.
0: I know. That's awesome. So, for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage. Goodbye now. All right. Hopefully I didn't sound oh, too one. much of a fanboy.
1: That sounded excellent. By the way, cool, cool, I think that exchange worked really well the q and a
0: kind of-, yeah,
1: and whatever I didn't cover you 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 just kind of spun off into that, which worked really well, I thought
0: that's good, so we got these two going up, and then it believe it or not, Kong is gonna drop in eight days,
1: oh my gosh i, I can't wait, <laughs> I know you I know. Can. But yeah, I was I was watching the previews in Raya and I was like, Oh my gosh, it looks like Kongs just beat the crap off Godzilla. <laughs> They're setting it up, but I know there's something else to it here, but I'm just gonna wait and watch and and mm-hmm. see. Yeah. So I know
0: what the other thing is.
1: Yeah, oh. me too. So
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I but I wanna watch it. And I I, I can't wait to see it. And Mm -hmm. um, just being a fan, I have to see it. So there you go.
0: And I will be watching it most likely from the comfort of my
1: home. (laughs) I'm going to the theater, Tom. And if you want to join (laughs) me, come with me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I think I'm. It was funny. Catherine, we were watching it, and Catherine was like, huh. I think it actually, I might want to go to the show and see this one. I was like, oh, really? She's like, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, it was, it was really cool, I think. And I Mm -hmm. think that it just kind of, it captures the imagination. Mm -hmm. So there you go.
0: All right, Mr. Bill, you have a good night. All right,
1: Tom. Yeah, thank you. Uh, That was uh, very well.
0: This is Michael Ko from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet,
1: only on the No Phony Podcast Network.
0: Okay, back. so we're talking Winter Soldier and we're okay. talking about the equivalent of Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of an episode of a Mandalorian series. Not that he did. Spoilers.
1: <laughs> oh, we're okay. already recording this.
0: <laughs> so where does that put you, Bill? You read,
1: you read okay, what? I read okay, I read something. Okay, I'm geeking out on this because I'm, you know... Because I'm watching this stuff, and I get all the Marvel feeds and all the (laughs) comic book show feeds. Somebody put in there that this is setting up the table for, wait for it, Luke Cage. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. I did not expect that.
1: I did not either. And they pieced it all together because of the last episode, no spoiler here, of Bucky and um, the Falcons Mm -hmm. meeting in the neighborhood. We won't go into details, but it plays to that, don't you think?
0: Yeah. And it also pays, it plays to the whole. Power set conversation that seems to always need to weave its way into all of these discussions.
1: Well, you and I have talked extensively to the fact of Netflix having this Marvel universe to their own. Mm hmm. Formally. And, formally, right? And that when everything was going to be gobbled up by Disney, that what are they going to do with these outliers, like Jessica Jones, Iron Fist,
0: Hell's Bear Kitchen, Devil, you
1: mean? Punisher. Mm-hmm. Well, the peripheral uh characters of the Marvel Universe that was solely introduced by Netflix. Mm. Would there be, and ever will be, a chance that they will jump into the ultimate universe, being now that it's Disney. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I pontificated that, man, it would be great. We don't see it, though. We don't see these storylines happening, even though, you know, now after the post-Avengers, there's all these spinoffs and Disney Plus. But what, what they're doing with Winter Soldier, if they were ever going to introduce a Netflix Marvel character, this would be it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think in terms of contracts. Like there was like this 2-year period that needed to take place after the end of the the breaking of the Netflix contract uh-huh. in anything Disney Plus was going to do. Let's just take that off the table because we're not sure what the answer <laughs> to that question is, right?
1: But it's it's fun to talk about it, right? It's it's fun to put it out there because you and I uh just really loved what they did with the Marvel characters on Netflix, mm. and we're just mm-hmm. we're just secretly waiting and hiding for that day that you make this introduction. I at least I am.
0: And the thing too is that for a while, Luke Cage was part of the Avengers years yeah. ago, um, and I'm wondering if that plays into it as well. You. If you're going to introduce him into the Avengers, you have to introduce him to Captain America. Ta-da! So okay. do the the whole do the whole dilemma who is Captain America. That I think if I were to title this ongoing series that we're not spoiling on Disney Plus that we're also watching and keenly attuned to, it would be Who Will Be Captain America?
1: A lot of caveats there.
0: Yeah. That was fun too. I felt like I was on a on a tightrope act. So, if you people have not figured it out yet, you are listening to Heroes Garage and pretty much the the brilliance corner of the Heroes Garage.
1: <laughs> you know, this this is not usually how we introduce the show, but no. Bill, in his enthusiasm, just ramshotted through. Mm -hmm. The normal introduction of the show Because Mm -hmm. there was some unbridled enthusiasm here Mm -hmm. That I'm just secretly waiting And then all of a sudden just It was awoken by what I read And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm excited I am excited, I'm excited
0: So, kind of piggybacking off of that excitement Episode 2 really Wet my whistle, and it had me go back and rewatch Winter Soldier because of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I just forgot, not that I forgot, because I always consider that to be like if someone's going to ask me, like right off the top of your head, what are the best Marvel movies now that they, this 21 movie string is all done, and now they're starting from scratch, right? So it's just about what has been done leading up to the end game. Mm -hmm. And now that all the dust is settled, I would say either Winter Soldier, Guardians of Galaxy 1, or like Infinity War, or Civil War. So those would be the four. And then I thought that I would run a poll, you know, in all of my brilliance.
1: I saw that, yeah. Yeah. And I answered your poll.
0: And we had eight votes, so we're working on it, right? We need to put out (laughs) more polls so we can get more votes than (laughs) eight.
1: Obviously, we're not tapping into the right network, Tom. But that's another discussion.
0: No, I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. So, and I was shocked that. So the question was, what is the best? And is Winter Soldier, Civil War, and Infinity War the best Marvel trilogy? And to me, I asked the question because I thought the answer was yes. I was looking for affirmation. I didn't get affirmation, Bill.
1: No, you did not. What did you get, more confusion?
0: Well, I got a resounding no. It was 75% of those eight people said no.
1: Wow. So, Mm. where are they leaning towards? I mean, if that's not it, what is, I guess, the story arc of Marvel?
0: I guess I could try to guess at the next string of three movies, like maybe they would go what would it be? Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame? Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I could ask that question and see where that mm-hmm. goes. Maybe that's the yes. Um, or I may have hit a pocket of DC fans who are a lot like White Sox and Mets fans. <laughs> um, they are just looking to cause trouble. They're not necessarily looking for anything good to happen <laughs> on their end. They're just looking to cause trouble elsewhere in the world.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that is not, um, that's not good there. Uh, I, no. no. I, I think the Civil War arc, the Winter Soldier, to me, were very good. And then, yes, when you got into the End Game series, um, was excellent. But, yeah, there, there was so much story, uh, in just those two movies alone, that it was, it, it, it had a lot of meat on the bone. Let's just say that. And I think that what I'm liking, what I'm seeing with the Winter Soldier and Falcon is, man, they're, they're, and I think I had this discussion with somebody else, is mm-hmm. they're learning something from the Netflix series, the way that um, mm, these I superheroes take. were presented. High take. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back there again, I know, I know, but I can't help it because it was so much focused on the character and then the story and then the superhero part was really last. And that's what you're seeing with this, with the Winter Mm -hmm. Soldier,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, you are. And I beg to promote that I called it for myself. So this isn't anything I said on a podcast. <laughs> it
1: right is this a self-evalued, uh, a self, yes. um, you know, congratulation or...
0: This is like what a podcaster does when they, when they just do their own little meta-analysis with their own inner world. And what I guessed to myself is that I was going to really enjoy this. And I was right about myself. And <laughs> it had me watching Winter Soldier because I was like, man, I love seeing Bucky and Falcon on the screen again. It just brings back those warm, fuzzy feelings. Right. So I watch Winter Soldier and then I watch Civil War. I got part of the way into Infinity Saga. The Infinity Saga, so this is what I was this is where I was heading my, my loose stream of consciousness here. Okay, I'm so I'm trying to follow. The four movies are Winter Soldier, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Captain America Civil War Infinity War and Endgame those four movies make up the string and the other movies throw their little thingizzles in there but those four movies are the are really just the boom boom boom
1: right interesting interesting yeah. and so then I when you
0: come out up. with Falcon and Winter Soldier you can really build off that mythos that world because you've built so much into that story through those previous movies that we're just chomping at the bit and we're Mm -hmm. buying it hook line and sinker
1: yeah i think so i mean think about it we've been so inundated with this marvel universe and you know it is a smorgasbord to choose from Mm -hmm. but When you're following the story arcs, you're following, um, what makes the adventures, what makes them, um, unite, what makes them Mm -hmm. diverge. Um, you know, these are the movies and I agree wholeheartedly that, that make it because, yeah, when you look at the Iron Man movies and, um, it's specifically about him and there's nothing wrong with that because Mm -hmm. You know, overall, it's, it's entertaining. Uh, you get in a, a more in depth about the character. So when he becomes a part of the group, you understand everything, mm-hmm. but it's all about the story of what they do with the story. And, mm-hmm. and it's not superficial. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it really, really good is, um, you, you lose that superficiality because you could you know I think that that's the easy way out that's the cop out right and
0: the non the story route
1: yeah And because it becomes more of the um special effects the action right
0: mm-hmm. um, which the is bam, the bam wham and pow
1: yeah because I mean think about how bad the Fantastic Four has just failed um, because they do not focus, they focus on the wrong thing, right? They I focus would, on the po, the uh, powers and all that. I, I don't know. That's what I get.
0: I promote, and this feeds right into our main topic, at least the, the initial main topic, which is going to be Bill's review of Justice League, Zack Snyder's right. Justice League, I should say. Mm-hmm. Is, I believe, what contributes to a bad product is what I would call a lack of a vision.
1: Yes. You have
0: individuals. There's
1: words there. Thank
0: you, sir. <laughs> I mean, not to get all pink with envy here as a DC fan, but <laughs> you have a lack of vision. So either that or you have a vision that is a disconnect from what everybody who's a fan of these products has come to see as what needs to be at the center of these characters. So you you see a a lot of that kind of nonsense going on. And I think if you have a clear vision and you approach it with conviction, even if you get chunks of it wrong, it still is a much better product than without that lack of overall vision and storytelling. Because how do you tell a story if you have no idea where you're going with the story? If you have no idea what story you're actually telling, and I think, quite honestly, that's been the problem—not um, to be too, you know, wah wah blah blah wah wah—with a lot of the DC movies, is there is a, a complete lack of an idea of where they're heading with everything that they're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it just becomes like they're throwing dinner on the table, and you're like, okay, here it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess you could happenstance upon uh, a nice steak and some vegetables and be yeah, okay with like that, it,
1: it's like what am I eating? You're eating dinner, mm-hmm. so shut up and eat it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, right. I I agree. It, it it's like where you going with it because it becomes isolated. That's the problem. It's it, it's it's an isolated movie in its own right, and they did try to do that with the Batman versus Superman, and then you know shove right into Justice League, right? They mm-hmm. they merged the two, but there's a reason why it didn't work. And so to segue into my review of Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, I, that's what I want to focus in on because really what um, the first cut of the uh, Justice League was was supposed to be more of a continuum of Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. And it became really the reason to resurrect Superman. And Mm -hmm. that was really the story of Justice League. It had nothing to do about the group or the individuals or Mm -hmm. even the villain. It ended up being the main story was how can we get Superman back? Mm -hmm. And that became the focus. And because that became the focus, that lost any side of any kind of story. Because you don't have really anything... About what is happening with the villain. He just becomes the impetus Mm -hmm. to bring Superman back. You have these other peripheral characters that you haven't met before Mm -hmm. to bring Superman back. So it's all, and then you have uh, Batman who's like the only thread and Mm -hmm. loosely Wonder Woman again Mm -hmm. to bring Superman back. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes this dissected movie without any true context other than yeah. our ultimate goal is to bring superman back. Yeah.
0: I hadn't quite thought about it that way but I I guess that really fits with your your breakdown earlier uh, uh, and with the word lazy involved in it. It sounds very lazy. Like here we have this big character, we'll just do a thing with that character in the middle of the movie and bring him back and and it it's not going anywhere, it's not headed anywhere and we're talking about Josh justice league as everybody's calling it uh the (laughs) 2017 version of the justice league movie and fast forward to 2021 we have Zack snyder uh and that movie justice this new justice league do you feel like there's an actual story that they're telling here and do you get the sense that Zack snyder had a vision when he made this movie
1: Well, I think that's what makes this a lot better. And then I think that's what this studio got scared, at least with the studio with Justice League is that they failed to realize that there is some investment that has to be made. And guess what Uh, audiences have actually Mm -hmm. are are there to actually make the investment Mm -hmm. and are willing to take the investment. And to kind of put out a cookie cutter approach to a movie, because that's exactly what Justice League one was, Was mm-hmm. it was just it followed a boilerplate studio, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wheeled out movie where the Zack Snyder one was it. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to build a story. And guess what? When you're in it all, you're not even thinking about Superman. Because I'm going to tell you about the villain. I'm going to tell you something more about these peripheral characters. I'm going to give you some history into Justice League and these Mm -hmm. villains and these superheroes. And I'm going to give you something more because guess what? Uh, Audience is a little more intelligent than what they were 10 or 15 years ago. And I think that's what the studio failed to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when you were watching, um, Zack Snyder's movie, mm-hmm. do you, what did you think about the pacing of the movie? Did you think that there was anything about the pace of the movie, the order of operations, the way they revealed the main parts to the movie? Was there well, anything?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a good telling of it when you're, when you're in a, think about it, you're in a four hour movie. With anybody could just look at that and cringe and say, Oh my gosh, there's four hours of this. Right? right. Right. But when you're actually in it and you're watching it and then all of a sudden a couple of hours have gone by and you don't realize a couple of hours gone by, that means they've done a great job with the pace.
0: Right. Right.
1: And that's what I felt. Now, you know, let's look at another movie that had a, a long, uh, play to it. And that would be the Irishman that mm-hmm. Netflix did. I think that was three and a half hours long. If I, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. And now there were points in that film where the pace was disrupted and mm-hmm. it felt like it was a three and a half hour movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you had to endure it because there are some peaks and valleys and with justice league, I didn't feel like there was a peaks of valleys I felt there was a trajectory mm. and that's how you accomplish this with a movie that is 4 hours long is that this is a trajectory into an ultimate conclusion and let me give you all the different facets of the story to make sure you are on top of the pace mm. right mm.
0: yeah because that is what you ultimately hear it's it's the low hanging fruit it's too long. Uh, another criticism you hear is it's basically the same story beats from the twenty seventeen film, and the I believe that's reductive because I believe the things that they cut out are very important, so maybe as a film critique, you could help yeah. us to understand what are, what are the main differences between this this version of it and debunk that false accusation that yeah. these are basically the same movies
1: yeah basically the first episode or uh, the first movie you get a synopsis mm-hmm. and you are having to live with a synopsis and you are in your own and this is what it is is i think i said three is this in a row you get a you have to figure out Mm-hmm. the missing pieces in the story. And you have to make that connection. Like for example, the the three boxes and the history of the three boxes is you you have to piece together mm-hmm. um all the facets of okay, this group has this box, this has this box, right? And and it and it just kinda goes a race to the boxes. <clears throat> you see what I mean? That's a synopsis. Yeah. That is a shortened version of ultimately what is driving the character to get the boxes. It it mm-hmm. just becomes a a race to get the boxes, a race to bring them together, a race to uh you know for the villain to get this ultimate goal and we don't know the reason for for it. Mm-hmm. What is the backstory of it? What is driving the character? And that's what makes the villain So superficial in the first movie is that he appears. He's evil, right? Mm. He's -hmm. an evil guy. Right. He's, he wants to destroy the earth. That's what we think Mm -hmm. because he he wants these three boxes Mm. and he's trying to unite them. And the conclusion is destruction. That is just, you know, little points on Mm -hmm. there, but nothing is weaving between that. And, um, that is what is completely lacking. And when you watch this, you are getting the full entree of what is happening in the movie. Not only just in the villain, the reason why he's doing it, but now you're getting introduced into Cyborg and his origin story because they're able to make his origin story in here. Not as much as Barry in the Flash, unfortunately. Um, or with uh, uh, Aquaman because then his movie came later, or Wonder Woman because I think her movie came later, right? So they actually could kind of play with that a little bit more. And um, mm-hmm. but you got a character that now f- is fulfilling a role, and he plays a main part in all of this too. Where in the first one, it's just he's slapped in there. Um, mm-hmm. So it gives you a lot. Of context, I think that's what I would say, that in four hours you get context, and the context is not boring, it doesn't lag, and it doesn't drag. That are the three things that make a four-hour mo- movie just so hard to, to watch.
0: Yeah, I think there's um, a couple of things, and I'll get into a little bit of DC Weeds here. Um. So, a problem that a lot of DC comic book fans have is they don't like the use of these artifacts, these major plot points, because their belief is that Snyder doesn't understand the true meaning of the plot points. So, I will, um, I will tell you what a couple of them are. <laughs> the Mother Boxes. So, Mother right. Boxes. That's a Jack Kirby thing. That's a New World. uh The New Gods, and Darkseid is a New God. And you saw a picture of that in the middle of this movie where you saw the old gods, Hercules and Aquaman and some of these older characters fighting Darkseid. And so they have a problem with the use of the mother boxes. And I I would say that the use of the mother box in the movie adds context and makes it a richer experience for a DC comic book fan then somebody coming along and say, oh my gosh, these stupid boxes, right? <laughs> but if you're a DC Comic Book fan, you know that those boxes have a lot of power to them. And so then when you when you put three together, that's how Darkseid is able to you know, gain control, so to speak. Another thing that happens in here is the anti-life equation. Uh-huh. That is thrown in the middle of this. And the anti-life equation is a buildup to some really revered and loved series in DC Comics, and so they don't like that it was just thrown into the movie. However, I liked it because it felt like it set up, I think the mother boxes, the anti-life theory, all the anti-life, uh, whatever the word is, I've lost it. I think those things kind of set up stories that can happen in other movies, and you don't have to have this elaborate tie-in to anti-life. You can just bring up the concept and you can move on. Someone else can pick it up in another movie, and if you have someone with some vision who's looking at an overall story arc with several movies coming together, you have some of these ways of doing it when you introduce that into the story. Yeah. Blah blah wah, wah, right, Bill?
1: Yeah, I mean it it's really and you know, what it becomes really just difficult for me to understand what the purist is is that it is like it's called an introduction into something right it's right, in- right. introducing this and um, other than giving a full dedicated movie into the afterlife equation and more I thought I thought they did a good job mm-hmm. I- explaining the mother boxes within the time frame they did but yeah I mean if you want a separate movie on it, it it's introduced now you know, I don't know. It seems like DC fans tend are a, a bit fickle here, yeah. and and how they want everything happen, which is, you know, it, it seems like they just, it seems like they're never gonna get their way. <laughs> I know. You know, it's like what do they expect? Uh, I mean, Marvel has just, you know, shined so well in their stories, but it seems like even if DC even followed some kind of trajectory and what you talked about and knew where it's going dc fans would still not be happy because you know it doesn't have the gauntlet right or is mm-hmm. it the mother boxes is the gauntlet here or is it the afterlife equation the gauntlet and so equation. the anti life equation i'm sorry it is the gauntlet here and so mm-hmm. what is dc's gauntlet is is it those two Is it something? I mean, something has to rise to the top here. And what Zack Snyder does is is he introduces two of the things that are powerful in the DC universes. He gives credit or credence to it, and therefore it sets up to something, hopefully, in the future. Now, that's really, when you look at this, the popularity, really, you know, the, the response is, been more for in favor of what he's done with Justice League than the series, And, you know, you would think that the studio would wake up because, really, the studio is all about money. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's not... They're there to make money. They're not there to pacify a group of, of, of purists and enthusiasts. They're there to see how we can make money out of this. Well, the formula was just laid on their lap. And hopefully what this has done is change their course into how the movies are made. Now, you know, they do have some in production and some that are going to be coming out soon. Who knows what Black Adam is going to do or Shazam 2 or Flash is going to do. They could just follow this weak plate approach of, you know, producing a movie that, you know, is like how it's made 15 years ago rather than today. And that would be a shame, really, for all the fans and enthusiasts. So I don't know how it's disrupting the studio in this, but it should.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. So overall, what would you say would be your rating? I forgot what your rating was. Well, no, do you I'm remember I'm a one your... out
1: of ten guy, but I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. And the reason being is, and this is my number one reason, is that you could take a four hour movie and be completely entertained from beginning to end without feeling it's a four hour movie. That is very difficult to do. Extremely yeah. difficult to do. And, and I'm not, you know, getting into the weeds of all the particulars in it, but that's good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that to me made it very fun to watch, you know, very intriguing, and just for a fan of just the superhero comic book heroes, it, it gave me new life into wow, I really hope DC learned something from this. And um, so I, I am fully uh, enthusiastic about uh, Justice League Zack Snyder cut.
0: Awesome. So, this, this episode has been a little different. We had, we started off the episode, um, going back to a recording that was done uh, earlier, which is me, the DC enthusiast, in my review of Justice League. We did a little Falcon and Winter Soldier discussion in the middle. And then we came back around to Bill, the film critic, in his interpretation and in his, his, uh, review. Of Justice League. So I'm hoping that you as fans enjoyed this. And we would love for you to interact with us, whether positively or negatively, at (laughs) Heroes Garage on Twitter or Heroes Garage at gmail.com. So, Bill, that's going to do it for this episode of Heroes Garage.
1: Excellent, Tom.
0: So for now and until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Justice League, sound of metal. Cool.
1: wow, that was uh, that was a lot. I think it was good. Hopefully, the, the listeners of oh, that genre might take to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm very discouraged by the comic book um, community around this movie. They're they're so sophomoric and mm-hmm. immature. And I don't know if I feel that way because I'm actually just such a fan. Boy of these characters that I have blinders on or right. not. I actually don't know. I, I, I have a feeling that that's at least part of it, but I didn't hear it was a real turnout for me. Some of the podcasts in the way that they just didn't even hide their dismissal of it. And it's, <clears throat> it's just sound like they didn't even, they didn't use one ounce of mental energy on it. And there's just so much of that and I think it's a crying shame because I think the creators and the people that are putting out these stories that they're actually trying to write good stories um comic mm-hmm. books I'm talking about I'm not talking about movies right now and when you become a person that automatically slams a thing based off of very fickle sets of criteria you just make the whole community seem like a bunch of little boys yeah and I don't it's just embarrassing to me, it's, I don't think there's a lot of intelligence. And I'm talking podcasts that have been around for umpteen years and brag about all their knowledge of books and everything. Mm-hmm. When they do it, it's really discouraging. So,
1: so what is the crux of, I mean, it, it, you know, are they stuck in like a, what do they want? I guess that's what the real question is. And the superficiality of it all, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. To me when I when I hear something like that, because obviously I'm looking at it as, as a film perspective and, you know, I, I don't have the emotional in, investment into the comic book side of it. But. um Man, the the story part of it is incredible.
0: Yeah, they built up they built up some tracks here and they laid just enough hints in here to bridge a lot of different stories that could be told. So to me, that all worked. They get hung up on stuff that I think is easily forgiven in the MCU. And I joke about it all the time, and I think only people from Chicago or people from New York know what I mean when I say this. But it does feel like the difference between a White Sox fan and a Cubs fan. Like White Sox fans, everything is wrong. Oh gosh, totally. The world is always falling and crashing. Like, never mind that the rest of the baseball world thinks the White Sox this next year are going to be one of the better teams in the American League. Exactly. Like, they—they're just—they're the people that see the glass half empty. They're critical. They're smarter than everyone, right? They know everything. Mm -hmm. And. When they start stringing their logic together and you match it up with other things—I need to be more clear with that, but I'll start with other things—you realize that actually you don't have any logic. Like, you're upset because Batman kills people and Wonder Woman kills people. Well, watch these MCU movies. Like, how many people did the Winter Soldier and Falcon kill the other day (laughs) in the first episode? Like, you seem to forgive that very easily, but when you come over to Batman and Wonder Woman, all of a sudden you're having a crisis around that. Um, when Wonder Woman jumps off of the side of a stone pillar and cuts off, spoiler warning, Steppenwolf's head, that is your Wonder Woman, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> okay? if you don't Which think I was you should, like, whoa! That's
0: awesome! <laughs> if you don't think that she's a warrior? She has indifference around death when it comes to the enemy. She's not reveling in it. That doesn't make her day, but it's not disappointing her either. She's most definitely the one that's going to dump off a pillar and slice off a head. But in the DC, it's a big crisis. Oh my goodness, did you see how she threw those guys against the wall? Did you see this? That wasn't even... It's like almost every aspect of it feels completely hypocritical. And I don't think that they take the time. Like even with Darkseid, they were upset that Darkseid got so easily overwhelmed by the old gods. Mm -hmm. I don't think they actually think about what they're saying. You have a Green Lantern in there. You have Hercules. Hercules is arguably one of these characters that is like Thor and Hulk put together. Like, that's a powerful character, guys. Like,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have, uh, he is a, he is a god, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah, it not know. only he's the god of gods, right?
0: Yeah, it, so you, you have know, a problem with him along with thousands, you know, how many hundreds, tens of, other superheroes all fighting one person? Really? <laughs> you know, exactly. Those, those little flying pair of demons aren't doing anything. So I don't know. I don't think that they I think what they do is they want the story to be something. And then when the story is something else, then they just have a problem with everything that they that they Well see. the
1: funny thing is, is what is exactly they want the story to be? It's like what is it that they want to be? Is it is it they want the villain then to be like the, the the superhero, you know? I mean, honestly, that's what it seems like, um, what they want. And, and that's not the way that it works.
0: <laughs> they also, I felt like they didn't see any of the differences in the dialogue, most of these reviews, whereas I thought the dialogue was, was extensively
1: yes. changed.
0: Like, I thought it was different in a lot of really important ways.
1: Yeah, and, I agree.
0: And I thought Steppenwolf, his dialogue was a lot better.
1: Um, oh my gosh, it was a lot better. I yeah. liked everything about it, honestly. I mean, there were some things that I was like, okay, let's get rid of this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the whole uh, scene. I would say the, uh, the Lex Luthor scene could have get chopped out. Um, mm-hmm. That didn't work this time around. Well, the first time around it worked, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it was a much shorter film. And it wasn't, a, you know, they, it wasn't needed. That's what I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. And, um, there is some, there is about a half hour, I think, of Zack Snyder's film that could have been easily chopped off. There was, there was some overly, um, acted, not acted, uh, overly tailored scenes of the cyborg that needed to go. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like okay, I they got if there's anything that was a lull, I was like that needed to shore up some. Um, did it completely sour me from the movie? No, no. But if you're going to round it up, there's some things you could round it up. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Sorry.
1: All right, let's go. Let's move on here. Want to do okay. your introduction?
0: Yes. <laughs> In three.